May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Well, good morning. Man, I'm glad y'all are here this morning. I want to give a special welcome to my North Campus. I miss you guys. Please behave yourself and be good to Pastor Mike. I'm begging you. All right. I am not a big, like, weather forecast guy. I really don't, you know, check it that much. I don't work outside during the day. And so then there's the chance that it's going to be wrong. So I normally just don't look. Well, my view has slightly changed. It wasn't long after I got my Jeep that I had a lunch scheduled with a good friend of mine in town, woke up that morning, it was a gorgeous morning, and I thought, you know what, I'm taking the roof and the doors off. Take the doors off, take the roof off, and head on out. Morning was gorgeous, it was amazing. It was one of those mornings where you're driving where you're like, this is the greatest car ever, I love my life, it's awesome. Get to work, work for a while, and then I get out to start heading to lunch. And I noticed there's like a couple of like dark clouds in the sky, but like nothing really major. I'm driving and you know, then you get like one drop, two drops, and then all of a sudden the skies opened and a full-fledged thunderstorm just came crashing down. Thunder, lightning, torrential rain. I'm stuck. I am absolutely caught. The doors were at home, and since I have a hard top on my Jeep, the roof was at home as well. It's not like I could just pull over and put the roof on. Bad scene. So I just kept driving to lunch. So the windshield wipers were absolutely pointless because uh, it's, the range is hitting my face. And so I'm using my hand to like try to wipe water away. I'm driving, and then cars are driving up next to me, honking, pointing at me and laughing. Thanks. Thanks, really. Really, I appreciate that. Uh, so I get to lunch, I walk into the restaurant, and, and my buddy's like, what happened to you? So I tell him kind of what happened. He laughs. And he's like, dude, did you not know, like, this storm's been all over the news for like at least like two days now. Thanks for the heads up. Like, I really appreciate that one. When we were done eating, like the floor around my chair was just a big puddle. Like it was just, I mean, I was soaked through and through. So now, on days when the roof and or the doors are off, I am constantly checking weather conditions. I have them texted to my phone, I turn it on, I get weather conditions texted every 30 minutes to my phone, because I am not gonna get caught again, unprepared, but look, We've all been in that situation. We've all been in a situation where we have been caught, unprepared, and not ready for whatever was to come. I mean, whether it was rain, whether it was the three cold fronts we have here in Houston, I mean, whether it was a change of plans by a friend, anything to do with parenthood, it feels like plans are changed, but we're often caught. We're caught unprepared. And then we begin to think, did I see signs? Could this have been prevented? Did I miss something? Like, how did this happen to get me in this position? Look, during this series, well, we'd be lying to ourselves if we hadn't also thought and put a lot of time into these kinds of questions about the end times and Jesus' return. I mean, this end times, heaven and hell and eternity, it has absolutely captured our culture and our imagination. It is a multi-million dollar industry generating countless movies, blockbuster TV shows, I mean, best-selling books. I mean, we are enthralled with this. But why? Have you ever thought why? Well, our human nature 
longs to know what it's going to look like. When is it going to happen? And what's going to happen to us? You see, the Bible is very, very clear that it is going to happen. But we want to know exactly what's going to happen because we don't want to be caught unprepared. We don't want to be caught out in a torrential rainstorm because the details of what it's going to look like, well, they're hotly debated in every theological circle that you can imagine. But the signs that the season of the end times is upon us are actually very clear and they're very straightforward. But therein lies the danger that while they're clear, what if we miss them? What if we don't know what they are? What if we're not paying attention? It could come on us like that, and we're caught, and we're not ready for it. Well, Jesus' 12 disciples, his closest followers, came up to him one day, and they began to ask him questions exactly like what we're asking now, because they didn't want to be caught unprepared or off guard for Jesus' return and the end of the world. And so in Matthew 24, we get this picture of Jesus and his 12, and Jesus is answering these questions that we've been asking to them. And then he goes on to tell them some changes and how they should live their life. So I want this morning for us to go through Matthew 24. If you haven't gotten your sermon notes out yet, go ahead, get them out. I've taken Matthew 24, which is a very long chapter, and we've condensed it so that we can be crystal clear of the signs that we are to be looking for. We're going to look at what Jesus has to say, and then we're going to pull out each and every sign that Jesus gives his 12 that the end is near. So what are the signs that we are entering into the season of the end of the world? Matthew 24, let's start in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So here's the first sign that Jesus gives, is that wars will be in abundance. Wars will be in abundance. When we begin to enter the season of the end times, there are going to be so many wars going on and feel like there are so many wars going on that news of them are going to spread like rumors. And the chance of us even believing that these wars exist are even happening. They're going to be going all over our world. Now look, just because wars are going on does not mean we're in that season. Wars have always been going on. And honestly, when we look at history, war is far worse than what we are experiencing now. I gotta tell you, if there was ever a war that screamed the end of the world, it was World War II. I mean, think about this. You have an evil dictator in Hitler that is using part of the Bible to drive his propaganda machine to annihilate and exterminate God's people, the Jews, and take over the world at the same time. End of the world. I guarantee you Christ followers were freaking out that the end of the world was coming. However, with all of the wars going on in different places of our world today, it's not hard to see that possibly 
The stage is being set that this is a sign that the end times is near. But Jesus keeps going. In verse 7, he says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So here's the next sign Jesus gives. Natural disasters will become worldwide. Natural disasters will become worldwide. There is a picture that Jesus paints for us that natural disasters are going to be occurring simultaneously at various places around the globe. There is going to be an increased number of hurricanes, of tornadoes, of tsunamis, of floods, of mudslides, of volcanic eruptions, of famines, earthquakes. They are going to be everywhere at the same time. And I gotta be honest with you, with the run of horrible natural disasters that we've had in just these last handful of years, it's pretty easy to see how the stage is possibly being set for this to be a sign that the end is near. Jesus keeps going in verse nine. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Here's the next sign Jesus gives. Hatred of Christ followers will arise in places where it was once safe. Hatred of Christ followers will arise in places where it was once safe. Now look, not just some nations, but all nations will hate Christ followers. Persecution will take place everywhere. And in America, where it may feel like we are being persecuted, what we are experiencing is not even close to the type of persecution that Christ is talking about and persecution that is happening to other Christ followers right now around the world. It is going to get far worse for us. One day, this country will completely turn on us as Christ followers. All nations will hate you because of me, Jesus said. But I'll tell you this. With the turning of the tide as it feels toward the view of Christ followers in this country, it could easily be argued that the tide is beginning to turn and the stage is possibly being set as a sign that the end is near. Jesus keeps going in verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The next things that Jesus points out to his 12 are, wickedness will increase while love will decrease. Wickedness will increase while love will decrease. Gotta be honest with you, this one probably scares me the most. Because this one occurs in the hearts of individuals. Not worldwide events, but right here. And in my opinion, there's already enough wickedness. And there's not enough love. And so I can't imagine it getting worse. But when I take a hard look at where our society is and the amount of wickedness and debauchery that our culture says is acceptable right now, it's pretty easy to see how the stage is possibly beginning to be set that the season of the end times is near. But Jesus keeps going. In verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world 
as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Flip your servant notes over on the back. The next line is that, G, that the gospel would expand to every part of the earth. The gospel would extend to every part of the earth. Okay, finally a little bit of encouragement. Find a little bit of hope of the gospel advancing. Look, the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again three days later, and if we put our hope, faith, and trust in him, we can have a relationship with him now and spend eternity in heaven when we die. That message, the gospel, the good news, is going to be delivered to every single eye, ear, mouth, nose person in this globe. Praise God, then the end will. Now, Wycliffe, which is a ministry that translates the Bible into other languages, has identified 1,900 different people groups that do not have the Bible translated into their native tongue. So when I hear things like that, I think, we've got some time. It's not as close as we think. But then I begin to think about the technology that we have and the capabilities that we have and the ability to broadcast messages across the globe in an instant. And I think, well, maybe with technology that the stage is possibly being set, that this could happen very soon, and that the season of the end times is upon us. Jesus keeps going. In verse 23, he says, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. And the last sign he gives is that false prophets will perform great miracles. One day many will rise and proclaim to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And people are going to follow. And now right now, when you hear me say that, it's easy for you to think of, well, like, I'll never fall to that. Like, no way. If I hear somebody show up and they say, I am Jesus Christ, like, no, you're not. Like, it's easy to say that. However, Jesus says that many will be deceived. And I don't think many is in the terms of thousands, but in the terms of millions. In the terms of millions. You see, it could be easily possible that one of these false messiahs shows up and it says that they will perform great miracles and signs. You could walk up to somebody who doesn't have any limbs and say, grow limbs. And two arms and two legs just grow. And it's also very easy to see how somebody could have their phone, film it, and post it for the entire world to see. Irrefutable proof that this person is doing miracles on the same scale as Jesus Christ. And with the fall of governments and the rising of world leaders on a continual basis, it's actually not too far-fetched to see how the stage might possibly be being set, that this is a sign that the end is near. But look, Jesus finishes with summing up all of these signs that he has gone over with his 12 in verse 32 and 33. So let's take a look at it here. It's amazing how he brings all of this into perspective for us. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these signs, and underline this phrase for me, you know that it is near, right at the door. Jesus is saying, look, when you see outside, 
you see trees and limbs are getting tender and they're starting to bud leaves, you know that it is a new season. In the same way, now that I have told you these signs, now that you know what to look for, when you begin to see them coming, you know that a new season is upon you. So let me ask you, are we entering into the season that the end times is near? Are these signs beginning to come true when you look at the world today? Could the end times possibly be in our lifetime? Absolutely. Could the end times occur a thousand years from now? Absolutely. When Jesus is 12 asked this question, it's 2,000 years ago, and they wholeheartedly believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. And they believed it so strongly that it changed the way that they lived. Look at what Jesus has to say. He didn't stop there with the signs. He didn't sum it up for them. While he answered their questions, he continues on. In verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. Quick time out, did you catch that? Jesus does not know the day or the hour of when he's going to return. He has no clue. Jesus knows the signs of the season that he is going to return, but he does not know the day. But only the Father, in verse 42, therefore, keep watch. Circle keep watch for me. Keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready. Circle, be ready for me. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus gives his disciples two commands. Keep watch and be ready. Because you now know the signs, Christ is telling you, keep watch and be ready. So right now, there might possibly be a little bit of an urgency, a little hesitancy inside of you saying, how do I do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I've got a couple of things for you here. So how do I keep watching and be ready? Here's the first thing that I want to leave you with this morning. Follow Christ only so that I will be able to spot imposters. Follow Christ only so that I will be able to spot imposters. One of the signs that Jesus gave was that false messiahs and prophets would arise and that they would lead millions astray. If you follow Christ only, this is how you will prevent yourself from falling into that category. Because when you only follow him and you have a relationship with him, you will continue to get to know him, know what he says, know how Jesus would act in certain situations, so that when an, an imposter arises and says, I am the Christ, you'll be able to point at him and say, no, you're not. You're an imposter, because I know Jesus Christ. I know who he is. The problem arises when you follow Christ sometimes, but then sometimes you follow other dreams, other opinions, other people, other groups, political views, 
as well as following Christ. And you're following so many things that when a false Messiah shows up on the scene and says, I am Jesus Christ, watch what I can do, and they perform a great miracle, you do not know whether they are telling the truth or whether they're lying. And all of a sudden, you are susceptible to falling into that category of millions who will fall astray. So look, let me pause for a second. Has there ever come a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? When we ask Christ to be our Savior, and we put all of our hope, our faith, and trust in Him, we are asking Him to save us and hoping that He would save us from all of our sins and all of our mistakes. See, the Bible is very clear that because we make mistakes, they have to be paid for. Because God is perfect, we make mistakes, our sins have to be paid for. And they have to be paid for with our life. Well, Jesus Christ was perfect, He never made a mistake. And then He died on a cross as payment for our sins. That when we put our hope and our faith and our trust in him, that all of our sins that we've ever committed and are going to commit are forgiven because Christ has already paid for them. And then when we make Jesus Christ our Lord, we are basically promising to follow him as best we can from this day forward. Where he says we go, we go. What he says we do, we do. There's never come a time in your life where you've done that. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. It's a simple prayer. If you've never done that, I want you to be thinking about it for the rest of the morning. It's the most important decision you will ever make. And I'll give you some time at the end of the message. And if you truly believe that and you pray that prayer, then you will become a Christ follower. But there's another way for us to keep watch and be ready. And it's number two. It's stand firm in my commitment to Jesus Christ. Stand firm in my commitment to Jesus Christ. Back in verse 13, of Matthew 24, Jesus tucks this promise in, and it's whoever stands firm to the end will be saved. Look, it's not the standing firm that saves us. Only our faith in Jesus Christ does that. But standing firm in the face of adversity proves that we are a Christ follower and that we will be saved. The picture that is painted for us is that the season in the end we will have to stand firm and follow our commitment to Jesus Christ only. But we are able to walk that test now. There are times in your life where you are tempted to waver in your commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe something tragic happened in your life. Maybe there was a death of a family member or a loved one. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was any number of catastrophes that could have happened and you're faced with that decision of am I gonna stand firm in my commitment to Christ or because of the circumstances and what happened, I'm gonna waver in that commitment. I promise you, the temptation to waver in the season of the end times is going to be far greater than anything that could happen now. So stand firm now as a test to prove to yourself that when the season of the end time comes, you will not waver. Stand firm, and whoever does till the end, they will be saved. Number three, the third point that we have is study the Bible to keep watch for signs. If you want to be ready, if you want to keep watch, study the Bible. Look, we often talk about the importance of reading the Bible, but when it comes to this topic, reading just might not be enough. You need to study your Bible, and there is a big difference. When you read a book for fun, well, you just read a book and enjoy it. But what if I were to tell you when you're done reading that book, you're going to take a test on that book. You would read it differently. 
you would read it a little bit slower, a little more intently, maybe take a couple of notes, make sure you don't miss anything or that you're not confused about something. The same is true with the Bible. Like when you come to a section in the Bible that you just don't understand and you don't know what it means, skipping it does not mean that it's not gonna happen or that it's not true. It just means you skipped it. That's why we recommend owning a study Bible that has the helps and the commentary and explanations of scripture already there on the page. The one that we recommend, if you've got your pen right on the side, is the NIV Life Application Study Bible. The NIV Life Application Study Bible. An excellent resource to study in the Bible. But look, if you still have questions after that, your small group is a fantastic place to, small, to start. Go to your small group and say, hey, I've got a question, no clue what this means. If they're not able to help you, call Pastor Mike. His personal cell phone number is 281. <laughs> no, I value my job. I wouldn't do that here. But if you follow me on Twitter later this afternoon, I will blast it out over the world. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that either. But look, if you've got questions, email us. We're pastors. We'd love to help. And if we don't know the answers, which we're not perfect, we don't know all of them, we'll find it and we'll get back to you on it but you have to study the Bible. When it comes to something like the season of the end times, we do not want to be caught unprepared. And we do not want to be the person that says, God, I, I didn't understand. I, I didn't know what this meant. Like, can I get a redo on this? No. There's a fourth thing for us to be ready and for us to keep watch. And it's give more of myself to the church. Give more of myself to the church. When Jesus returns, he is coming back to defeat Satan and to claim his church. The church, this entity right here, is what Jesus is coming back for. And if it is that important to him, shouldn't it be that important to us? This is why he's coming back. For the body of Christ followers coming together called the church. And if it means that much to him, it better mean that much to us. This is where we get our hope. This is where we get our energy and our strength and our fulfillment and our purpose. In a world that we know is going to increase in wickedness and decrease in love, this is where we come to stand firm. This is where we come to encourage one another. This is where we come to build us up so we can head back out there and fight and follow Christ in a world that it is getting more and more difficult to do so. This is where the majority of your time, of your talents, and of your treasures should be because this is what Christ is coming back for. Do not let the church fall in your list of priorities because I promise you it is not falling in the priority of Jesus Christ. And you do not want to be caught unprepared. So look, let me give you a suggestion. If you're wanting to give more of yourself to church, starting next week, we are going to begin the recruiting for small group leaders for this fall semester for adult, youth, and kids small group. There are very few commitments that are, will require more of you at the park than being a small group leader. But I promise you this from personal experience, there are very few positions here at the park of ministry and of service that are of more value and of more encouragement than being a small group leader. So look, if you're sitting there wondering, how do I give more of myself? 
would you prayerfully consider being a small group leader for this fall? You know, in all of my studying leading up to this message, I've become perfectly convinced I know of one thing. I want Jesus Christ to return soon. I want him to come back because that is the glory of why I am living my life. Now look, there are things on my bucket list that I still want to accomplish. There are still dreams and goals that I have that I'm going to be shooting for. I want to watch my kids grow up. I want to watch them get married. I want to become a grandpa. I want to grow old with my amazing wife, Robin. But when I look at any dream that I could possibly imagine, it cannot come close to comparing to heaven. And if I want the best for like my wife and my kids and family and dreams, well, all of us hanging out in heaven sure is the best. And I'll be honest with you, I want him to come back. But on the flip side, I've extended family members that do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so I don't want him to come back that fast because I'm not 110% sure where some of the people that are close to me would be going. And so I am making the commitment that while I don't know if he's coming back in my lifetime, I'm gonna live like he is. And with all of the passion and desire and urgency that scripture calls me to. Because I believe from studying this and what Christ teaches and shows his 12, that is exactly what he is driving at. So would you join me in that? What I want everybody to do right now is take out your connection card, flip it over on the back, and let's, let's take some next steps together. Maybe for you it's this first one. It said, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today. Like if you've been thinking about it ever since I talked about becoming a Christ follower, that sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes, look, I'm gonna give you some time in just a moment to pray that prayer. If that's you, I want you to check this box. If you check this box and pray that prayer and mean it, well then you're a Christ follower. And on your way out, um, by every door, I want you to grab a packet. We call them the New Believer Packets. It is full of great information to help you on your new life with Jesus Christ. You know, if you're just considering being a Christ follower, how about you take one of those? It'll probably answer a lot of questions that you might have about Christ as well. Or maybe for you it's this next step, is that I will follow Christ alone so that I will be able to spot imposters. Would you commit right now to only follow Christ and nothing else in your life so that if an imposter arises, you will be able to point them out? Or this third one, commit to stand firm now as proof that I will stand firm and be saved when Christ returns. Would you make the commitment to stand firm now in your life that no matter what circumstances may come, that your commitment to Jesus Christ will not waver? Or this fourth one, commit to study in the Bible, not just read it, to make sure I am watching for these signs. Make a commitment to study your Bible. Maybe that means that you don't read as much, but you read it a little bit slower and a little more intently to make sure that you understand everything that you're reading. Use those notes at the bottom. Did you make a commitment to study the Bible and not just read it? And here's the last one. Have someone contact me from the small group ministry this week about potentially being a small group leader this fall. If you're even remotely interested or considering it, would you check that box? We'd love to contact you this week and tell you about potentially leading an adult, a youth, or a kid's small group this fall. But now what I want everyone to do is I want you to take your connection card, I want you to hold it in front of you, and I want you to bow your head. And I'm gonna give you a couple of moments for you to pray. 
And I want you to ask God which next steps he would have you take. As well as I want you to pray for the commitment and the strength this week to follow through with that. So would everybody join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now, God, and I thank you that you are coming back. I thank you that you are returning to claim what is rightfully yours to defeat Satan. God, and claim the church as your own. So in the name of Jesus Christ, God, I ask that that, that you would come back soon. God, and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, God, that everything that we want to accomplish would get done. Lord, but I am asking selfishly that you wouldn't come back until those that I love. God, that we would be able to sit down and have a conversation about you. So Lord, would you give all of us in this room just that desire to follow you a little more fully. God, to reach out to our neighbors, our family family and loved ones. God, to share with you the good news. God, that you died on a cross for our sins. God, that we can have a relationship with you now. And so Lord, I ask that you would be with us as we go forward. God, would we continue to look at you returning and that it would change the way that we live today. Lord, we love you and we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.